The OMTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com. On March 12th and 13th, the StarCityGames.com Open Series hits Memphis, Tennessee, and this event is going to be huge. We're talking hundreds of players, over $17,000 in cash prizes for the standard Legacy and Draft Opens, 18 Star City Games Invitational slots up for grabs, SCG Players Club benefits, live coverage courtesy of Big Head Joe and I on SCG Live, tons of side events, and as much Magic the Gathering as we could pack into one weekend. So make plans to join StarCityGames.com in Memphis, and we'll see you there. Hey everybody and welcome to episode number 58 of Yo MTG Taps. I'm Joey Pasco. And I'm Big Head Joe, digging for legacy cards as we record. Awesome. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that a bit later. Um, we have two weekends of, of awesome tournaments to talk to you guys about. Of course, yes. the, the uh, Star City Games Open Series in Washington, D.C., uh, and then the Star City Games Open Series in Edison, New Jersey. Uh, we're going to focus a little more heavily on New Jersey since that's the more recent and thus relevant event, but uh, but we're going to touch a little bit on D.C. as well. So uh, first we're going to cover the standard portion of both events and then talk a little bit about Legacy. Um, which uh, which finds us both with a kind of a, a newfound interest. So uh, yes, we'll get into that. First of all, in DC, Jerry Thompson uh, pulled it off with his Angry Birds deck, dubbed by uh, someone on Twitter suggested it, and then we we uh, of course used that name in the booth. Um, we we were of course the coverage team for SCG Live for uh, Washington DC, so that was that was a blast. But uh, basically. Jerry T's list, uh, and I'm sure all of you know by now, was a version of Cogo, which uh, splashed red for Inferno Titans, Lightning Bolts, and Cunning Spark Mages. Cogo um, was pretty much the, uh, or, or Call Blade, Call slash X, whichever you'd like to, <laughs> to refer to it as, um, is basically, you know, it, it was the story of the tournament, I think, in, in DC, because we came out of Paris... Uh, with that as the winning deck, the blue-white call blade list, Ben Stark, Brian Kibler, all those guys, uh, you know, rocking that list. And so we, we wanted to see in DC, how are people going to adapt? Are people going to be taking this list and trying to uh, trying to modify it, trying to win with the same list? Or are people going to be trying to fight fight it? Or, you know, what's going what's gonna to win? The the call decks or the anti-call decks? And it, it, the, the answer seemed kind of to be both because the call decks adapted themselves for mirror matches, which uh, obviously was, I think that was the the plan. I mean, that's that's the main thing you want to do when you know you're going to be playing what you feel is the most popular and strongest deck. You need to you need to be able to uh, break the mirror there. So uh, right. So what Jerry did was he thought, well, I can I can use uh, red like Cunning Spark Mage and Bolts to deal with opposing Squadron Hawks, and of course. Uh, it just gives it a little bit more instant speed removal against uh, things like Boros, which also happen to be trying to. They're they're playing the uh, the Call Blade, the, the aggro version of Call Blade. Essentially, that's that's what Boros really is. It's kind of like right. Call Blade. It's it's Jerry's deck without blue. You know, that's uh, somebody referred to it that way on uh, on SCG Live in. Mm-hmm. Edison actually this past weekend, um, so so that was the way that the the or that was one way that the call go decks were kind of breaking the uh, the mirror match. It was uh, Jerry T, Drew Levin, 
Ben Hayes, those guys all uh, brewed up that list that morning. So um, that that was pretty cool. Uh, another group of guys, including Lewis Laskin, were trying to break that mirror match with uh, a more equipment-heavy version of Callblade. Uh, we saw them using cards like Basilisk Collar and Mortar Pod. Mortar uh, Pod. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that was that was pretty crazy. You, you know, the the main thing though with that deck, or the what really made it unique, was the use of Trinket Mages and uh, Elixir of Immortality, along with the Mortar Pod and the Squadron Hawks, so that you could recycle the Squadron Hawks. You grab the mortar pod with a Stoneforge Mystic, and uh, you equip it to your Squadron Hawk, and now you have basically a Mog Fanatic, uh, <laughs> essentially. And you can use the the mortar pod, sacrifice it to do a damage to something, and then once you're out of Hawks, or once you've used three of out of your four Hawks, you don't want to cast the fourth one. You get an Elixir of Immortality with a Trinket Mage, use that, put all your three Hawks back into the deck... And then play your fourth hawk and grab the three hawks back out of your deck again. So essentially, <laughs> hawk cycling there. So uh, that was that was Laskin's take on the list, and uh, I think he did okay. But the the criticism of that list was that it took too long. It, he went to time. He had unintentional draws like two or three times over the course of the tournament. So that was actually that deck's uh, Achilles heel. But uh, nevertheless, Cog Blade put four decks in the top eight. Um, some, let's see, obviously Jerry won with his red version. Uh, we had Edgar Flores with a blue-white version. Jeremy Sunnell also with just a blue-white version. And, uh, and Josh Ravitz, I believe, also with a blue-white version. Yeah. So, you know, essentially, those guys going with the more classic version of Callblade, uh, with just, just the blue-white, and Jerry with the with the red ended up being the more successful of the group. So of course, Jerry's version was, uh, being the more successful version that ended up going right into the Edison, New Jersey open series this past weekend, where you had a number of people deciding to not just splash red, but stretch into other colors. We saw an Esper version of call blade doing pretty well. And, um, one of the things that the guys on SCG live were saying was, it's kind of like people are now referring to Stoneforge Mystic as this deck's bitter blossom. That, that's something that Kibler actually said back in Paris, that Stoneforge Mystic is like bitter blossom for this deck. So what's the best way to fight bitter blossom is a thought seize. So the, the call decks are going, okay, let's play Inquisition of Kozilek so we can strip the Stoneforge Mystic out of their hand. Uh, you know, on turn one, so that when we're, uh, whether we're on the play or draw, obviously, but... Um, you can strip the opposing Stoneforge Mystic. And, of course, the other good thing is even if they land the Stoneforge Mystic, now they grab a sword, for example, or, you know, one of those equipments. Uh, they all cost less than three. So now you play Inquisition to steal that sword. Nice squire. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. So uh, that that was an interesting thing. Uh, I think Ben Lundquist was among the, uh, the players playing an Esper version, uh, among others. I, I, I think even uh, Gerard Fabiano may have been playing a an Esper version of Callblade. So uh, in the end, though, we had six of the top eight decks were Callblade variants. Yeah, before the the podcast, I was joking with Joey. I was like, can I read the top eight lists um, 
on the podcast. And he was like, well, what do you mean? I was like, okay, so I want to read them like this. Uh, so in first place, we had Patrick Sullivan with Red Deck Wins. We had Jund, Jund, Rug Control, Jund, 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 and Jund. <laughs> and yeah, and, and, and that's a, a nice segue into what I was going to bring up. Uh, and it's something I brought up on Twitter was, is Callblade in danger of becoming the next Jund? Um, right now, it looks like it. You know, it looks like it is definitely in danger of becoming the next Jund. If it carries, you know, if, if these numbers carry on for the next month or so, I think that's where the Jund comparisons really begin to take hold. Um, Kyle Engelson on Twitter was actually talking to me a little bit. Um, he felt that it already is on Jund level, but uh, in my opinion, being that it's it's only been around for three major tournaments, uh, Paris, Star City DC, and then Star City Edison, I don't think it's Jund. I don't think it's quite found its foothold or uh, or reached Jund levels yet. I think it's it's a matter of how how much longer is this going to continue. It's certainly the most dominant deck right now, the strongest deck. But uh, the question is, how do people adapt? How do people fight uh, fight this kind of deck? Well, I mean, obviously Patrick Sullivan showed that red's a pretty good option at this point. Yeah, that that's a really interesting story, and I don't know if you heard this, but Sullivan, Patrick Sullivan, won the tournament with red deck wins. And, okay, Patrick Sullivan, for those of you who don't know, is an old school player who pretty much only plays red. Yeah. <laughs> that he, he kind of looks at the, the you know, uh, Magic the Gathering as mountains and red cards only. <laughs> it seems like uh, I love the fact that he had a box yeah. of like every good red card with him. Yeah, essentially, th- this was the what I heard on uh, on SCG Live was that before the tournament, the people had seen him uh, seen him around, and they said, you know, are, are you playing today? And he said, no, I'm, I'm not going to play. I'm just going to play, uh, you know, m- maybe play some side events, and then I'm going to do Legacy tomorrow. And then, like a little while later. Somebody saw him and uh, he said, yeah, you know what? I, th- I think I am going to play. I think maybe this is uh, Jacob Van Lunen who, who told this story. But, uh, I'm, you know, don't quote me on that. Um, he said, you know what? M- maybe I am going to play. He, he literally had, like you said, a box of every standard or every red card in standard. That uh, no, back to Legacy. Oh, and Legacy. Right. Every, yeah, it was like everything good in standard and Legacy. Right, exactly. So every good red card, every playable red card – at least according to him, he just had a box of all those cards, which is just crazy. So he he sleeves up a deck and wins the freaking tournament with it. Like that's the craziest thing. You know, you have people preparing for these tournaments and going, I'm going to go to this and this is – I'm practicing for the Star City Open. And this guy shows up, you know, what a master. He's like, eh, I'm not going to play. Oh, fine. I'll play. Whatever. Somebody give me where, – where's my red card? Somebody give me some sleeves. Don't daze me, bro. Uh, <laughs> you know? uh, and and he gets he just sleeves up a deck and just takes it all the way like that just shows you how not only you know uh, how good of a player he is but how much you know players like Alex Bertoncini who show up constantly with with the same deck Jund last season and now it seems to be Rug you know it's right. this familiarity with this this archetype and just you know what I'm just going to master this one archetype and always play some variant of this kind of deck. And it's I'm I'm positive it's that kind of experience that takes these people to these kind of finishes. 
Now, did you actually see? Uh, were you watching the the top eight yesterday morning? Um, a little bit. One of the most interesting plays that Sullivan made was, I believe, in the uh, it was either the quarters or the semis, where he had a cough of the hammer in play, and he uh, he untapped his mountain. Uh, he was playing against AJ Soccer, and okay. he he untapped his mountain. Uh, AJ was at one life. So, but he had had some blockers out. So basically, it was kind of like, when's Patrick gonna top deck a burn spell? Well, he top decks a second cough, and so it's like, like th- that doesn't help. So he untaps a mountain and then taps four and plays another cough. Oh, he, I heard about yeah, that. Yeah, he thinks like this is people were saying he's playing by the old legend rule, but that doesn't even work because by the old legend rule, the second legend played dies. But now, of course, the new, the current legend rule is that, and, and, and I say legend rule, but it's planeswalker rule as well, is that they just kill each other, of course. It's, it's right. you know, you have, you have a Jace, I play a Jace, they both die. Um, he was trying to, like, upgrade, which is a function of other games. Uh, versus system, for example, you could play, like, a Superman and have it in play, and then you play another version of Superman to, to oh, kind of yeah. upgrade. So you would lose the previous version, but you'd keep the current version. I've right. even done that like once. I remember. I think I was playing against you. We were just you know play testing, so it wasn't uh, anything important at all. But I think I did something like that where I was like, I'm gonna use the planeswalker's ability, and then I'm gonna play another one to replace to replace that one, and then get another ability out of it be- mm-hmm. because I was thinking about versus system. Um, <laughs> I don't know, but apparently Patrick works for a, a gaming company, and in some of the other games he plays, and maybe it is versus system. He was thinking that here he is in the top eight of, of a standard event, and he makes a play like that, ki- p- killing his own cough and wasting his second cough. Uh, so it was just kind of nuts to see that happen. Uh, and then, of course, I think within a turn or two, I think he's that's what it was. His next turn or, or the or the turn after, he top decks uh, Spike Shot Elder, drops it, taps three, kills AJ. So he still yeah. won that game. But wow, that that was. It was just one of the more uh, interesting things to happen in the top eight. <laughs> um, so one of the other interesting lists to come out of the uh, the New Jersey event this past weekend was Laskin yet again playing an innovative list. Now, did you, did you see this? It's a uh, green-white wait. aggro list. Uh, for standard, right? Yeah, this is for standard. Um, I didn't see his exact deck, but I'm – Actually, it's funny because um, Travis, my roommate, was playing a deck that was very similar to that. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, I, di- I never saw Laskin's actual list, but Travis was watching him play. And he's like, oh, yeah, this is exactly what I uh, built, basically. Yeah. Like, um, it was um, Venge Vines, and um, did he did he actually run Glimmer Point Stag? Uh, I did. I feel like I heard that, but I, I don't know. I think sure. Laskin I ran Glimmerpoint Stag. Um, I know that Travis really wanted to run that card, but didn't for whatever reason. It's interesting because I think a lot of people must have been thinking along the same lines because I was literally – I've been – and I, I know I believe that we even talked about it on a previous episode, but I, uh, you know, I couldn't swear to it. But I, I talked about playing – I just want to play like Venge Vines and Molten Tail Masticors and lead the Stampedes, you know, uh, basically a whole bunch of creature 
a whole bunch of creatures in a in a deck so that you know to maximize lead the stampede and molten tail Masticor, and of course to keep playing venge vines like right. and that's basically what laskin did and a, apparently so did uh smitty from 60 cards was also <laughs> playing a very similar list so it's kind of like a lot of people were were trying to build this sort of thing and i i guess laskin felt that this was a good time to take advantage of the uh the unpreparedness of people of you know the format to this kind of deck and uh you know i, I don't know let's see where he finished he ended up only finishing 105th so you know obviously it it wasn't you know a breakout deck but in the early rounds it was what a lot of people were talking about right so um also notably Edgar Flores who uh I had not heard of before last weekend in DC uh he made top 8 at the standard portion in both DC and Edison playing a 73 card identical blue white call go list or call blade list the only difference is uh he took out he cut a mana leak and added a Jace Bellerin to the main deck he cut a deprive and added a sun titan to the sideboard um but essentially the same list and he made top 8 of both events which is you know, here we have somebody, again, sticking with one archetype. Not, Edgar Flores? Right, Edgar Flores, yeah. You, did you just say a 73-card deck? No, I said 73 of... The, of it was a 73-card... Oh. <laughs> sorry, I meant 73 <laughs> identically... Identical cards, sorry. 73 of the 75 cards were identical, that's what I mean. I was like, a 73-card deck, are you kidding yeah, me? He had, like, he had 58-card main just to give him, you know, some extra chances, just that little bit. But nobody just to, just to run the cheats. Right, exactly. Nice so, job. <laughs> so, honestly, like, what do you think of, of all this call go? Or call blade? I'm... Like, like I, I didn't I say it on the coverage? It's like the Jun deck it's okay to like. Yes. I don't know if you said it on the coverage, but you definitely said it to me. I think I said it on the coverage a couple times. It's okay. like the Jun deck that it's okay to like. Like, there are – I feel like there are a lot of answers to this deck right now um, just in the current card pool of standard. Um, I feel like people want to play this deck rather than play the answers to this deck. Okay, and what I, are you thinking some of the answers are? Well, I mean, like like Patrick Sullivan showed, like, like you know, just some burn spells. Like, I think Slagstorm's really good against this deck. It kills a suited-up uh, hawk, you know? Right. Um, I don't know. I just feel like there are easy answers to it, you know? So I don't feel like it's one of those things where it's unfair. Mm-hmm. Like, Jund had Cascade, which was just a pretty broken mechanic. Right. You know? But um but Call Blade just has like a bunch of cards that are consistent, like I mean obviously the Squadron Hawks will draw you three creatures and Stoneforge Mystic will always draw you an equipment if you have it, you know? Right. Plus it lets you get your equipment into the battlefield around counter spells. So but these are one ones and one twos, right? You know, like it's. I mean, there are just very simple answers to to those cards. You know, it's not like those cards are so unbeatable. Yeah, it's just that they're so powerful that most, and, and it also just so happens that the two like top archetypes right now, um, which I guess would be like, well, I mean, Rug is kind of making a comeback, but Boros is like probably one of the most popular. Uh, archetypes and blue white right. and they 
both run Squadron Hawks and Stoneforge Mystics. You know what I mean? So, so that answer can function – whatever answer you decide uh, to use, it can function against both decks, which is actually kind of a, a nice – Both decks can run it and both decks can use it to counter that other thing, you know, but like um, – well, I'm just saying, like, if you figure, like, Memoricide for Squadron Hawks is the answer, that that's something that uh, that Evan Irwin was advocating, actually. Uh, he, he told me in DC, he said, until people figure out to play Memoricide for Squadron Hawks, this deck is going to be ridiculous. You know, I'm not sure that people, uh, you know, I'm not sure that that is the answer, and I'm not sure how many people have tried it. I actually have not seen any of the lists from... Uh, of, of the Esper versions of Callblade, I know they played Discard, but I don't know if they played Memoricide, and, and I wasn't able to catch all the coverage, and at this point, it's not archived either, but... I'm pretty uh, sure they run Memoricide. It, it seems like a decent answer, right? But, right. Um, you know, that was at least suggested by Evan. Um, but, yes, if that's the answer, you you have that now for two decks. Like, your sideboard cards, if, if that, you're not going to main deck it, uh, your sideboard cards function against two different kind of archetypes, which is the exact kind of thing you want to do with a sideboard. You know, you want your cards to have multiple functions. You want them to overlap so that you you basically have, you know, a set plan against each deck and not like, well, I need five cards against this, this one archetype, you know? Right. So having those five cards against two archetypes, that, you know, that you're actually helping you out. But see, the thing, especially with, uh, or, or this is more about the, blue-white version of Cogo, or at least the uh, the Cogo, the Cogblade versions, the non-Boros, sorry, <laughs> versions of the, the equipment package, the Hawk Stoneforge package, um, is the, the thing that makes this difficult is it's willing to say, all right, attack that strategy. Now you just have to deal with blue-white control. Like, blue-white control already is good. It's a good archetype. Being able to uh, incorporate this extra and actually more like a primary plan of attack, everybody starts to focus their firepower on that plan of attack. And even if you take that out, like, all right, deal with my Jaces and Gideons and Celestial Colonnades, you know, you just you just wasted all of your energy, you know, all of your efforts dealing with Squires and 1-1 Flyers, you know. Right. <laughs> um, and, and now I've got an entire other deck for you to fight, which uh, which basically plays on a completely different level of a different kind of strategy than the other deck that you were just fighting, you know, <laughs> kind of like here, fight Boros, now fight Blue White. They're both in the same deck. Right, right, right. Which makes it, it makes it seem kind of obvious to like that, you know, the Blue White deck is probably the better choice because, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, I'm like not, man, I, I, have, I won't disagree with that. <laughs> right, bro. Of course <laughs> you won't. But I'm just saying, like, and uh, and obviously the results are showing that the blue white deck is superior to the Boros deck. Right. But it's like, why play Boros when you can play Boros and blue white? Right. Well, you know what I mean? It just, like just seems kind of obvious. Right. You take the right. best part of Boros and put it in the blue white. Right. Um, although I'm I'm sure that the uh, the aggro players out there may feel differently, but uh, you know. Essentially, that's sort of what Jerry did. He said, "I'm going to take the best of Boros, including your lightning bolts, and uh, and play and play it in blue white control." Mm-hmm. Do, how do you feel about the uh, the two color blue white versions of the Callblade deck versus the the multicolor, you know, the, the three color versions? I mean, you're obviously 
you know, sacrificing some consistency there, but I, I think the red one's the best, uh, the best choice of, of the, I mean, of the different, uh, variations of the deck just because it has access to burn spells. And I think Inferno Titan is such a mirror breaker. Yeah. I love seeing Inferno Titan come crashing down. Um, so I think, I don't know. I just think, I just feel like that's the better choice. Now I haven't really seen much of the black deck. Yeah. Um, but I know that Tim just borrowed one of my geths for, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was for one of game the, day yesterday. That was one of the, uh, the, the tech sideboard cards, and I believe it was uh, Gerard Fabiano running that, uh, because Geth can basically steal creatures and equipment right out of, right out of the opponent's uh, graveyard. So it's like, hmm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Inquisition of Kozilek you, get rid of your sword, and now I'm gonna steal it from you. So uh, that, that's kind of an interesting little version of uh, a little way to break the mirror. But uh, another thing, Ben Hayes was saying this on SCG Live was that the black versions are able to run Tectonic Edge because there are more more dual lands that you can use. Like, you, you have a better mana base than mm-hmm. uh, than you do with the red. So, hmm. that's that's an interesting thing to consider. But, personally, like, I'm... Uh, and I've said this many times before, I'm very much more about consistency than power. Like, I agree right. that the red deck has more uh, potential for power, but I feel like that also gives it more potential to... Uh, be in a, a situation where you can't take advantage of the cards in your hand because for some reason maybe you don't have the red mana. Now, you know, I don't know. Or maybe you need a tectonic edge and you don't have it because you played mountains instead. You know? um, <laughs> right. So I, I am very much, you know, I was thinking about this a little bit this morning. Power versus consistency, it's a very, it, it's, a, it's a slow and steady wins the race situation, right? Like you can have the power. You can be the hair. You can be like I'm, I'm more powerful and then your deck can take a nap on you while the blue-white tortoise just walks on by, you know? <laughs> it's, it's, the, <laughs> it's the tortoise and the hair right there where like slow and steady. I'm, I may not have as powerful of a deck, uh, but mine is very consistent. It's much more consistent. So uh, – and, and of course – any deck is going to have issues where your mana screwed, so it doesn't mean you're always perfectly consistent. But I like those. Uh, I, that's the reason I like to play control decks. I know I I was talking about this recently, whether it was on the podcast or SCG Live or just in a conversation with somebody. Was uh, I like playing control decks because they play a slower game. So playing all that defense allows you to construct your strategy to to basically it's more forgiving of missing. Uh, you know, uh, of not having the cards you need to win immediately. Right. These very aggressive strategies, they just go all in. Like, I need the right cards to just Koldotha red you out, you know? (laughs) Like, I'm going to drop a whole bunch of stuff and kill you, and if I don't, I, you know, if I didn't get you within burn range within those first few turns, now I'm, uh, you know, I'm I'm drawing off the top of my deck hoping to get back into this game. (laughs) Whereas the control decks are like, all I need is enough to live long enough to stop them from doing that. So, I mean, it's a, it's just the way I like the forgiving nature of control decks or at least more, uh, you know, slower decks that take a little bit of time to build their advantage. So, that's well, speaking it. of, uh, speaking of that, uh, how do you feel about the, uh, the time spiral decks that are now starting to show up in legacy? Yeah. They uh, seem to be like right, Right up your alley, frankly. 
Yeah. Um, well, let's let's do that. Let's move on to the the legacy legacy talk. First of all, the, the winners of the legacy events: Daniel Signorini won in DC with Team America, which apparently we learned that day. Uh, I think Drew Levin told us this that it was uh, a deck of his design, or maybe it was Gerard Fabiano that actually told us. Um, but either who way, knows? Yeah, we talked to a lot of people. <laughs> we certainly did. <laughs> uh, but uh, Dan Signorini won with Team America, which you uh, I don't know. I expect a deck called Team America to be red, white, and blue. But apparently, it's just blue, green, black. So uh, that's uh, it's a known archetype in Legacy. And those of you who who know us and listen to us know that Legacy was not our uh, our forte. It, we're we're mostly a standard focused podcast, anyway. But uh, that might change. Yes, I, I, we're gonna we're gonna let some Legacy talk in uh, quite a bit more, uh, and that's because since we've been recruited for SCG Live, obviously we are commenting on legacy. So we have a very good reason to learn it. And now that we're, we're learning it, we're loving it. Yeah. I just found a place that said a nettle sentinels, as you were saying that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So yeah, like we're both very excited to get into legacy. So, uh, we're watching a lot of coverage, uh, videos. We're reading a lot of articles and of course we're able to watch a lot of it live and talk to a lot of legacy, uh, legacy stalwarts, you know, yeah, right in, in the SCG live booth. So, um, we're really excited about legacy. Now, now the thing with legacy though, uh, even though we don't actually play it, we, we are aware of a lot of the cards because we have been playing for a long time. But I said this, uh, to the guys in star city that our experience with legacy was when these decks were in standard. So yeah, I know goblins when it was in standard. I know affinity when it was in standard, right? I have both of those decks, but you know, obviously the decks change a bit when they have access to more, uh, you know, more cards and better options. So we're, we're still learning. So anyway, congratulations to Dan Signorini, who won with Team America in D.C. And then, of course, Alex Hatfield won in Edison with uh, a high tide time spiral. Mm-hmm. So here we go. Time spiral is, uh, you know, it's, it's time spirals coming out party, I guess, <laughs> with, uh, you know, with it being unbanned a few months ago and now finally making a showing and, and not just any, you know, it didn't didn't just kind of top 16 or top eight. It took took down the entire tournament. So uh, the list that he was playing looks very similar. Now, now I have uh, I have Alex's list, but I don't have Chapin's list. This is this is what I was going to refer to is uh, Chapin built a time spiral high tide list, which he published in the Star City Gazette, um, which was given out, I believe, at the last Grand Prix. And um, I had a copy, but I I left it at work because I finished reading it and I thought, I'm going to recycle this. And then I thought, I'm going to leave this in the break room and, <laughs> and see if somebody finds it and says, oh, hey, Magic the Gathering, that's still around. And then maybe grab I've it. I've got and look my at old it. cards and I'll sell them to you. Right. Well, nobody would know it was me that left it in there. I just oh. like to kind of like I, – back in like the spring, I took one of the, uh, one of the tokens or the inserts from uh, Rise of the Eldrazi that had like a, a Magic 2011 – ad on the back of it yeah i I put it on the fridge in the break room and it was there for months i was just kind (laughs) of like hmm i just want to leave this little magic the gathering ad here and so you know the other day i finished reading it and i put it uh i left it in the break room just you know just to see if somebody throws it out or recycles it that's exactly what i was going to do with it anyway but i figured (laughs) somebody might look at it and go hey what is this you know and uh and grab it so whatever uh you know just just 
planting planting some seeds. But uh, <laughs> you're like an evangelical man. It's funny. Yeah, just leave Bible sitting around. Just leave a little pamphlet, you know. Right, exactly. Do you know Jesus? <laughs> so uh, anyway, I, I'm not sure of uh, how identical they are, but from the looks of what Alex was playing. It was very similar to what Patrick Chapin suggested being played uh, in a Time Spiral High Tide list. So uh, I believe they'll, they'll make that gazette available for uh, via PDF on the on the Star City site. So just keep an eye out for that. I'm not sure when that'll be. but uh, And, of course, if you actually are at any of the Star City events, they tend to have a lot of extras that they're giving out. So, I mean, I grabbed mine in D.C. Anyway, so to talk a little bit about that deck, Joe. It's apparently not identical to Chapin's list because Chapin actually ran one copy of Emrakul and uh, right. Alex does not. So, Okay, so um, here is here's Alex Hatfield's list. Um, sadly, the first card on the list is four Candelabra of Taunos. <laughs> sadly for our wallets. Yeah, you, for our wallets. Wanna, if you want to build this, yeah. Yeah, it's just they don't exist. Like you can't even find any. Yeah. Like you go to find magic cards, there's one. Yeah, they're uh, they're like $110 on Star City if they were in stock. Right. And, yeah, so, nice deck. Um, I, <laughs> I had Magus of the Candelabra pulled aside from Travis's stuff. <laughs> um, Close as you can get, right? Yeah. That so card's that's, worth like a dollar and ten cents. So get your Magus of the Candelabra, I guess. <laughs> Right. Because you're never going to find the card you need. Right. Um, now we've got uh, two Mind Over Matter, one Blue Sun Zenith, four Brainstorm, three Cunning Wish, four Force of Will, four High Tide, three Meditate, three Turnabout, four Merchant Scroll, four Ponder, two Preordain, four Time Spirals, 12 Islands, 2 Flooded Strands, 2 Misty Rainforests, 2 Polluted Deltas. Um, and then the sideboard is another Blue Sun Zenith. And remember, he's got the Cunning Wishes, so there's a lot of uh, toolbox. Yeah. Uh, one Blue Sun Zenith, one Brain Freeze, one Echoing Truth, one Intuition, one Meditate, uh, three Pact of Negation. Um, I loved seeing that, like yeah. just uh, him being able to search up Pact of Negation, and then he just had, like, backup for his backups in the counter war. It was pretty good. Yeah. He figured if he can go off that turn, you know, first of all, he's building his storm count, and second of all, he's not not going to ever have to pay five because right. he's not going to be there. Um, yeah, Pact of Negation is actually sold out on uh, on Star City right now at six bucks. Yeah. Um, let's see. One rebuild, uh, four repeal, one turnabout, and one wipe away. So yeah, he's a uh, you know it, it's a it's a mono blue deck, pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> already, in my opinion, already awesome. But yeah, that candelabra certainly makes it more difficult to decide. You know, you want to play this, especially if you're just trying to get into legacy. Um, if you're like you know like us, we're trying to we're taking our collections, you know, the older cards and going, okay, cool, these are all playable in legacy, but I need what else now? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I've I've been literally like going through people's cards. I'm actually meeting up with a kid tonight um, at the rotunda, and I'm gonna literally just go through all his boxes of old cards and yank out all his legacy stuff and trade him for it. Yeah, because uh, he doesn't want it, and I do. So 
um, I mean, I got like some dark rituals and some random stuff from him yesterday, you know? Right. And I'm just like going through and just pilfering collections and stuff. Um, just trying to get as much legacy stuff as I can, which is my mission right now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I'm going to try to be playing it online as well, but I, I don't know. Awesome. It's tough. Um, you should get that, um, the one pre-constructed deck that comes with like the Mangaras and stuff like that. Right. It's, uh, I heard that those are both like pretty cool decks, you know, and they're just real cheap. And apparently, dual lands are much cheaper online too. Yeah, they're like ten bucks or something at most, right? Which is pretty crazy, but <laughs> it's because they're still in print. And if we didn't have right. a stupid, uh, if if we didn't have to deal with the ridiculous reprint policy that Wizards does not want to uh, to adjust, then I bet you that regular dual lands would be a lot closer to ten bucks. You know, yeah. the, the actual revives dual lands. You know, and, and alpha and beta, et cetera, unlimited. Sure. So, well, I mean, you know, again, I, it, it, I don't mean it, the alpha and beta will be ten bucks, but I'm just I, I know. Just mean, that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, that's a that's a topic for another podcast that we recorded a year ago. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, for those of you that are looking into uh, to break into legacy, it seems to me that if you want to play an inexpensive deck, like your options are like affinity or goblins both of those decks aren't too bad like uh kyt from the uh the atm podcast who also happens to have just recently uh started a legacy podcast which joe was uh was a guest on it's called crazy talk i didn't um, even know what i was on when like <laughs> they recorded that they, I, like, at the end i don't know if it was on the episode that actually they posted but at the end i'm like so what the hell is this podcast anyway yeah. Like, basically, they were just like, uh, you want to record with us? All right. <laughs> right. Like, basically, KYT saw a, an opening for, you know, the fact that there's no real legacy podcast out there. So he decided to start one. And uh, he, like us, is just getting into legacy. He, um, but I believe he played Affinity at a tournament and made top eight or won it with uh, with an Affinity legacy uh Legacy deck. I, I think he actually took Chapin's list from San Jose and used that. So um, that's awesome. I, I think he said he bought the list. Or he bought the deck for like 150 bucks. So like that's that's a lot cheaper than a lot of standard decks. Um, so there are options, especially if you want to play a more aggressive deck. I mean, both of those decks are good decks. Affinity and Goblins. They're both playable uh, legacy decks. Uh, unfortunately, if you want to play something more uh more complicated than an aggro list it seems to me that the the cards you need are a little bit more niche like uh candelabra of Thanos in in high tide or uh if you want to play counterbalance you need like tarmogoyfs and uh you know dual lands so kind of kind of makes things a little more difficult um yeah you know and it's funny because i've had to really put my money where my mouth is over these last couple of weeks, uh, because, you know, we always preach stop bitch and start brewing on here, you know? And, um, you know, now I want to play legacy, which is other than vintage prob- and or standard, the most expensive format that there is, you know? Yeah. So, um, I probably, probably third behind vintage and standard. Um, yeah. The, the significant <laughs> thing about that though, is that it's, you, you get more, you get more quality out of your deck. It's 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 a. Uh, I know that sounds weird, but I mean to say, like when you're buying something and you're choosing, like, well, I can buy like a better quality version of this for a lot more money, or I can buy a lesser quality version, 
but it doesn't last as long. It's the same exact thing here <laughs> with, with standard, right? Like if you're going to go and spend, you know, a hundred or okay, spend three hundred bucks on a standard deck or five hundred bucks on a legacy deck, you're going to get more value out of the five hundred dollars than you are out of that three hundred dollars because your standard deck only lasts for two years, if that. That that depends on how what's in your deck. If you go ahead and build a spend three hundred dollars on a standard deck right now, which has Jaces in it, and apparently you can only run three Jaces if you even want to spend three hundred dollars on a standard deck. That's only get to three cards, right? But uh, okay, Jace aside. But anything, if you build a deck that has a lot of Zendikar block cards, you're gonna you're only gonna get a few months value out of it. You're gonna get like what uh, eight months now? I mean, it's gonna rotate yeah. in September. So if you build a Scars of Mirrodin block deck with like a couple of cards from Zendikar block, you're going to get roughly a year and a half, you know, close to two years out of it. But if you build a legacy deck with that money, or at least build some of a legacy deck and then just kind of gradually add to it over time, you're, uh, you're going to get a lot more value out of it. You're going to get a yeah, lot I mean, more. You can just build legacy or goblins and you're set for right. a while. I mean, those goblins. Did decks, I say legacy or goblins? You did, yeah. You mean affinity? You can build or merfolk or goblins or affinity. or affinity and just have a deck, you right. know, and it's there. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, there's a lot of uh, there's legacy staples, and yeah, they're expensive, but they really like any deck that plays blue tends to play force of will. So you grab force of will, and now you're uh, you've got you know four, force of will. You've got force of will for every blue legacy deck that you decide to play. Right. So. Uh, you know, that's an option. And, um, you know, so, so that's one of the things. And that's something that I've been aware of. My excuse for not getting into Legacy before was I feel like I don't have enough time to play Standard. How am I going to find time to play Legacy? Um, but as as much as we've been watching it, I'm just excited about it. And I'm like, I'm going to find time. I'm just not going to play Standard as much. I'm going to be playing more Legacy. Not that I won't play Standard. But, I mean, I will, I will now, instead of you and I sitting down and going, let's play standard i'm gonna say pull out your legacy deck let's play that yeah i, I have a feeling that uh me and joey are gonna wind up this is gonna be a legacy podcast in a year <laughs> i don't know i don't know about that because i really still love standard and i think i think a lot of our listeners do too and i think that's part of the reason a lot of people listen because we're standard podcast and that's their their uh format of choice but we can uh we can diversify here and i think we're gonna we're gonna be talking a lot more legacy just uh just get ready. Give, yeah, just to give you a heads up. So, um, Michael J. Flores, also another guy recently getting into Legacy. <laughs> Isn't that funny? It is. It's pretty cool. He wrote an article about it last week, and uh, he ended up playing in Edison. In the standard portion, he played Pyromancer Ascension. Uh, didn't do so well. But um, in the Legacy portion, he played a Cephalid Breakfast deck, which Drew Levin and he uh, worked on. And uh, Cephalid Breakfast is a deck that's been around for a while, but it's kind of been more under the radar recently it doesn't seem like you know we haven't really been seeing it show up so for those of you who don't know how this works uh the deck is it's, it's called cephalid breakfast or cephalid life uh but uh essentially it uses cephalid cephalid illusionist which is a, a card from torment a blue uncommon a one one for a blue and one uh, whenever it becomes the target of a spell or ability you put the top three cards of your library into your graveyard um and then you use cards that have zero zero cost uh activated abilities like for example shuko is an equipment that some decks used uh, i don't believe mike used it but uh it has a zero cost equip um and then uh the the more common card to use is nomad's encore 
which is uh, a creature that from from Stronghold, uh, which has a zero cost activated ability that says redirect one damage from nomads to a creature you control. Um, but essentially, you target your illusionist. You mill three cards. You see if the cards you need are in your in your graveyard, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, and then, if you need to do it again, you mill yourself again. Essentially, you mill. your entire deck almost until you get the cards you need in your graveyard um the cards you need are narc amoebas uh for which allow you to cast dread return to flash it back to bring back a karmic guide out of your graveyard karmic guide when it comes into play you can get a creature from your graveyard and put it into play so karmic guide now comes into play after you dread return it and brings back kiki jiki mirror breaker uh, which, for those of you who don't remember from Kamigawa Block, he uh, he has haste, and he has the activated ability tap it to put a token into play that's a copy of target non-legendary creature you control. So now, you Karmic Guide, you get Karmic Guide into play, bringing Kiki Jiki from your graveyard. Tap Kiki Jiki to make a copy of Karmic Guide, which now comes into play and can bring back a Sky Hussar from your graveyard, which when that comes into play, you untap all creatures you control. So you get to untap the Kiki Jiki, and then you use that to copy the Sky Hussar that you now have in play, which comes into play, untap to your Kiki Jiki, and you can do it as many times as you want. Untap Kiki Jiki, right. make a Sky Hussar, untap, you know, uh, use it to make a Sky Hussar again, over and over again. So you have an infinite number of 4-3 flyers to win with. So that's that's the combo on that end. Another part of the combo, if for some reason, like... You uh you aren't able to win by attacking, um or or at least you don't have that available to use uh is Daru Spiritualist, and uh, and Starlit Sanctum, to give you like a, a ridiculous life total basically infinite it, not basically infinite whatever you choose the number to be, uh because Daru Spiritualist is similar to Cephalid Illusionist in that whenever it becomes the target of a spell or ability, it gets plus O plus two until end of turn. So you can target it as many times as you'd like to pump its toughness to the point where, uh, whatever you'd like its toughness to be. And then use starlet sanctum, which is a land from onslaught to, uh, sacrifice a cleric and gain life equal to that cleric's toughness. So you go, I'm going to pump Daru spiritualist to one 6,000, <laughs> you know, or I'm sorry, it'd have to be, uh, an odd number because it has a one toughness already. So one slash 6,001 and I'll sacrifice it to Starlet Sanctum and gain 6,001 life. Um, so whatever, whatever you want. And so that just gives you obviously now, now you're a headache. Yeah. A headache or, you know, <laughs> is your opponent a headache, whatever. It's not, it's not that much math. You just choose a number and that's how much you gain. As long as you can add whatever your life total is to that number, you should be okay. <laughs> but, it's- uh, this deck is funny. It's pretty crazy, and it's the way, uh, you know, you keep your opponent from now winning through damage unless they are somehow able to produce infinite damage, which, again, if you're playing a mirror match, you they could just go, now we I want 6,000 Sky Hussars, so now I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to kill you, you know, do four times as much as, your, as the life you just seen. <laughs> So that's pretty much how it works. And the thing with this is, and this, the guys on SCG Live were saying this too, um, this deck, if you're going to play a graveyard-based strategy, this deck uh, seems like a better choice than Dredge because it's way more consistent. You, you mill yourself as much as you want. Like Dredge can only mill itself as much as the cards allow. You know, you Dredge, and if you don't get the right cards, you need another 
card to facilitate your dredging. But with this, you just need the Illusionist and the uh, the Nomads Encore in play. That two card combo, and uh, and you can you can go off. And it helps to have things like Worldly Tutor in the deck. Also, uh, Ether Vial helps you get those creatures into play through uh, through. Uh, right. counter spells right um so uh, living wish also helps because you can now grab creatures out of your sideboard if you want so it's got eight tutors if you look at the living wish and the worldly tutor um three copies of all the relevant creatures that you need and then one extra copy of each of those in the sideboard uh i'm looking at at mike's deck um mike did a deck tech so this is this is available on starcitygames.com and we will link it of course um but yeah so so mike Drew Levin. Uh, also, Patrick Chapin helped a little bit. I don't know that he helped with the deck, but he helped Mike get into Legacy and realize um, – and, and let's see. The, the quote from the the article is that uh, Patrick told Mike that Legacy wasn't really about card advantage or grinding momentum in your favor. It was about creating a fundamental turn and seizing control of the game. So uh, – I like that that quote a yeah, lot. Yeah, it's it's just a completely different kind of thing. And Mike talked about this in his article on Star City last week as well. Um so really it's about making – grabbing you know this one turn and completely taking control during that turn. You know He has uh, things like Force of Will as a backup um, in his deck, and you know that's, that's how you win. And if you can manage to do that, then you win the game. Uh, combo is, is, is a, basically a weakness that Legacy has right now. There's a weakness to combo, and that's something that, that Mike wanted to exploit. While this deck didn't make the the top sixteen, um, we can see for sure that combo has a place in the in the metagame because we have a fifth place ad nauseum tendrils list um, played by Mark Taco yesterday in Edison, and then um, High Tide obviously won it. So we have yeah. uh, Dredge in seventh place, which is pretty much a combo deck. Uh, so you know it's it's just looking over the top eight. We have High Tide, uh, Green White Black Rock, Team America. Green, white, black, rock, which, I mean, I guess these are junk decks. They're referred to as green, white, black, rock here. Right, um, right. Ad nauseum, another green, white, black, rock deck, dredge, and affinity. So that's the top eight. So, uh, you know, multiple versions of that junk deck and uh, and then a couple of combo decks in there as well. So obviously Mike was right about the, the weakness that legacy format has right now to combo so we'll see what happens traditionally it's my understanding that uh you know and i I don't want to say this is true for legacy but i believe it would still apply is that combo's weakness tends to be control decks you know counter spells because if you can can stop their combo with counter spells then then that's how they uh you know that's how you beat a combo deck but right the the traditional counter spell deck i believe right now is more along the lines of countertop, which is bad against cards like Embracle and, um, you know, Ether Vile, which are showing up heavily in the right. format. Again, this deck even gets around the counterspell situation with Ether Vile. So, and of course it has its own counterspell backup. So, uh, so it's interesting and I'll be really excited to see what happens this weekend in Memphis. We will be watching those games live. Yes, we will. On SCG live. So, uh, definitely, Tune in on uh, on Saturday and Sunday. Saturday for the the standard portion, and Sunday for the legacy, of course, as always. Um, but yeah, pretty pretty cool. Like I'm I'm excited for legacy. I'm, I'm excited about this. You know. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm pretty hooked on legacy right now. I, I love. 
I just feel like they got it so right when they banned survival. I feel like the format is just so open, so interesting. I personally don't like playing against combo decks, um, but I feel like in Legacy, there's no excuse for like getting upset for losing to a combo deck. Right, well, <laughs> you know, you like have a lot of options. That's the thing. Like this, this format literally. Like you can play. This is a quote from uh, from John Medina's article this week. But you know, you can play whatever the uh, expletive you want in Legacy. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's ridiculous. There are so many decks we've seen. Just uh, just looking at the past few Star City Opens, we have you know High Tide Rock. Team America, Cephalid Breakfast, even though it wasn't in the top eight, there's, there's uh, you know, Mike playing that. Countertop, uh, Affinity, Goblins, Dredge, Ad Nauseam, Enchantress, Goblin Welder decks, like Elves. It's all over the place. Zoo. You know, it's just, it's crazy. You really can play whatever you want. I want to play an aggro deck, but I don't really want to play Red or Zoo or, oh, Affinity. How about that? Okay, I'll play that. You know, like, it's like, I want to play this kind of aggro deck. I want to play an Elves deck. I want to draw a bunch of cards, but I don't feel like playing Blue. All right, how's Enchantress? <laughs> okay. Like, there you go. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just like, kind of, uh, it, it's really interesting. And, to me, it's very much like a trip down memory lane where I'm like, hey, cool Tarmogoyf. You know, that's not even that long ago, but hey, cool Argothian Enchantress. You know, that's a deck that I still have under my bed upstairs. Like, I have most of that Enchantress deck in, you know, in my house, in my possession. I could totally play that. But it's funny because I want to get into Legacy, and I'm like, I have Affinity. I have Goblins. I probably have almost all of those Elves cards. I have Enchantress pretty much. But I want to play the blue decks, you know? (laughs) So funny. Uh, I guess what I should do is try to trade my other legacy stuff for the legacy stuff that I want to play. Or Um, sell it off somewhere and get store credit. Right. You know what I mean? That's that's trading, essentially, right? Just adding in a middleman. But no, I mean, and I don't disagree with you. The problem that I have with that is emotional attachment, which I know Medina preaches against. But I, uh, you know, I like being, I like knowing that uh, I have all these old standard decks that I used to play, which are now with, uh, with a few changes can be viable in legacy, but you know, not to say that it won't ever happen, that I won't actually trade out of those decks, but it's, uh, you know, it, it comforts me to know that. And if I can try to get these cards without doing that, that's what I'm going to try to do. So I think that's everything we have for this week. Let's uh, move on to upcoming events. As we just mentioned, we have this weekend the StarCityGames.com Open Series in Memphis. It's March 12th and 13th. Joe and I will be be there in uh, in the booth for SCG Live. Um, also this weekend, PAX East is happening in Boston. For those of you who uh, who like those uh, Penny Arcade Expo tournaments or events. Uh, and then uh, next weekend, March 19th and 20th, we have GP Kobe, which is an extended GP. That'll be interesting to see what comes out of that. Uh, also next weekend, the StarCityGames.com Open Series is in Dallas, Fort Worth, along with you, Joe. Yeah, it's in Fort Worth. Yeah. It's me and Gavin, I can uh, safely say now. Pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> I wasn't sure like who I was even with, I think, when we were recording. But, um, but, yeah. but yeah, me and Gavin uh, rock in cool. the booth. It's Looking forward to that, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's next weekend. I'm I'm looking forward to watch that coverage and uh, and then the weekend after that we have Grand Prix Barcelona, which is a standard Grand Prix. I'm uh, I'm particularly interested in seeing what comes out of that. That's March yeah. 26th and the 27th. So we'll see the uh, the format further evolve and see if uh, 
you know, if it does. <laughs> right. Well, hopefully we'll see some innovation this weekend in Memphis. And, you know, the decks that I'm looking for in both Standard and Legacy, to be honest, and I, I said this on SCG Live, you know, in D.C., is uh, I want to see Tezzeret. I want to see more Tezzeret decks. I want to see more people playing and doing well with Tezzeret, uh, you know, whether it be a Legacy deck or a Standard deck, because I think he's got so much potential, especially in Legacy. Uh, I, I just yeah. think that people, you know, maybe the... People aren't either. I'm sure there are people out there brewing with them, but they they may not be doing as well. But you know, I'm just excited to to see that card break out a little bit. And I think what right. needs to happen is a deck that can somehow uh, easily take advantage of of the I guess the uh, homogeneous nature of the format right now with all these squadron hawks and uh, and stoneforge mystics, and then you know take take advantage of the fact that people aren't really prepared for Tezzeret again, you know, right. as, as what happened in, in Paris, people weren't really prepared. Everybody was like, yeah, Tezzeret's a card. He's a good card, but there's no real deck for him right now. Or it's, you know, it's not, there's no deck lists that did well yet. And, uh, at this point, you know, people have kind of forsaken the Tezzeret, uh, Chapin Grixis list. And, uh, it seems like people aren't really playing with him. So I'm really, I'm excited to see, uh, to see some of that. So I'm hoping we'll see it in Memphis this weekend. Uh, if not, hopefully sometime over the next month, we'll see it. So, yep. As always, we are Yo MTG Taps. Stop bitching, start brewing. Let's see. I'm a tutor of Shriek Maw. Evoke it, then bring back Shriek Maw. All my blockers are dead. You want to beat? No. I gotta wait until my lock is complete. Oh. I get it. You can't kill me yet. I understand. You're not quite comfy until you kill all my land. I'll just check out while you recur your whole hand And wait the ten minutes that this one turn is spanned Yup, you really got me 360 degrees I guess that's how it goes when you still had all these I still had all these Uh, as always, we are Yo MTG Taps And I'm on fire Wait, what?